Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 69 of Death Readers. Nice. Harry, where we're going to read through uh, go, Harry Potter and the Deadly Hallows, <laughs> chapter 31 through 33. If this is your first time listening, <laughs> we this are This is a children. mature podcast for mature adults. <laughs> yeah. It's on, it's on the label. Um, <laughs> we... Uh, um, if this is your first time listening, this is the podcast where I am reading through these books for the first time, and Rob is helping guide me through it, being a person who's read them many times. Um, we are, like I said, going through chapters 31 through 33 of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Uh, we encourage all of you, regardless of your experience listening to us, because at this point, you I, I can't imagine this is your first episode, but if it might be... Uh, we encourage you to read the chapters we're reading before you listen so that you can experience them again in a more fresh way so that if you hear something we say and you disagree with it, you'll at least have been relying on the thing you just read rather right. than the crystalline calcified memories you've had of years past when you enjoyed them and reading them in, in your in your memory uh, castles your, and Your palaces. faulty nostalgia, your faultstalgia, if you will. Or just nostalgia. I think just nostalgia kind of is the perfect word. Uh, we don't need a portmanteau for nostalgia. It just is nostalgia. No, that's stupid. Don't say that. Okay, I'll take it back. No, I was talking um, to me. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so, that, I think, is our preamble. That we, We've ambled. Good. Let's, let's, let's uh, amblin entertainment on... I don't know. What do you mean <laughs> now? Jesus. I'm, I mean, I... You're a product of all the things you experience. So, yeah, I guess a little bit I am you. Um, do you have any housekeeping? Uh, you say that like I might. Do I, I say that like to? I don't remember. Uh, no, I don't believe I have any housekeeping. I did do a couple of deep dives, though. I'm excited okay. to get to those. But no, I don't okay. have any current housekeeping. I will say that I had some housekeeping that I didn't do that I intend to do next episode where we think they'll probably be more relevant and I might be bothered to remember them. What is that um, housekeeping? Set it up for us. Let's, well... Uh, or do you want to... You just because it might be a cliffhanger from people who are, you know, binging for the, for those, our show. For those people hanging on the, the cliffs of insanity, I will throw them down a rope to make sure that they can get back up and actually engage with us talking about the death of Harry Potter in the way it should be done, with respect and care. I want our listeners to be at their at the top of their game when we disappoint them. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you want far, farther to fall? Yeah. Um, last episode, I made a reference to uh, wondering or trying to remember what the we think in around book four. There's uh, Harry is given a homework assignment to do to make a prophecy or make a prediction or something in or have a dream or something in Trelawney's class. And what he tells her he saw was his own death. And I, at the time in the episode when we did that one, I mentioned that, I believe I mentioned, that I wondered how accurate that was going to be in predicting Harry's actual death, knowing that ahead of time that he does die, mm -hmm. that he has to die um, so that the other may survive, right. etc. Um, and wondering if that was hilariously, you know... Prescient? Or just like, like that sort of like weirdly lazy, like, oh, this is a throwaway thing. 
until you finish the whole book and read it through a second time. Then you see how crazy prophetic it was and how brilliant it is. I didn't do that. I didn't look it up. I tried a little bit and I couldn't find it. I didn't look hard enough, but I'm going to try again next week. And now at this point, because I've talked about it so much, I kind of have to. In the spirit of full disclosure, uh, it wasn't exactly housekeeping, but there was some long, long dormant homework that I had given myself uh, that I was not able to complete. And we will get there in these notes but but just so you don't okay. you don't you know accuse me when we get there unjustly i'm 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 paving that way now uh, i got to i got to take better notes i got to leave better notes this is this is another case of me a future me stabbing past me in the back or vice versa you should you should time travel better it's past me dude he he's a dick anyway um. You know those things are like you ever see those things where it's like write a letter to your future self and then like you ever do that in elementary school where they're like write a letter to yourself and then I'll mail it to you as your fifth grade teacher to your high your high school senior version of yourself and you can hear what you as a fifth grader thought of what you were gonna be like at that age and right. then like but like for you it's like the future you is actually going back to the past you who's about to write that letter and you're just like don't you fucking dare. <laughs> <laughs> Letter from my past self. I'm coming for you. Yeah, I'm coming Don't for you. Don't go to sleep. Dear future self, I know that at this moment in time, you've figured out how to come back to kill me. <laughs> I just want to let you know, know yeah. I, uh, I'm waiting for you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> it's like yeah, Looper. It, it, that sounds like my life. <laughs> anyway... Um, Anything else to do before we get started on these? I, I don't. This, I don't. This, I, I feel like there's a lot to talk about. Um, I don't have anything wow, else. This is the penultimate episode. This is. This is the penultimate Death Readers Harry Potter this episode. Is, this is 69, man. This is going to lead to such a satisfying finish. This is like we're we are at the end of the cl- of the rising action, preceding the climax. Yeah. And we're both going to do it together at together. the same time. You and me, all the this, way. I know what I'm saying, and I as I, <laughs> as I say it, I hate it. <laughs> but you can't stop, because the momentum has us now. Well, I've 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 doubled down. Yeah. And I I get, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pull myself back, <laughs> and not not go any further with it. But <laughs> even that. <sighs> I think there's I think that we can probably sustain our enjoyment longer if I like pace myself. So oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> absolutely. So I am going to say that brings us to chapter 31. The Battle of Hogwarts. My first page note is page 610. 609. Damn. Which was <clears throat> It ended up being a not note, but I wanted to bring it up anyway. <laughs> okay. I think I have one of those too. Um, it's actually kind it's, of embarrassing. It's when, it's when, it's when uh, McGonagall uh, said he has in the Don't com- let the first year see me puke, right, guys? Because <laughs> classic Death Readers. Sorry. Go ahead. I don't know if last episode counts as classic. <laughs> also, the last episode's like epilogue counts, yeah. as, <laughs> counts as classic. Go ahead. Um when McGonagall said he has to use the common phrase done a bunk, I swore with every fiber of my being 
um, that she had used a similar phrase earlier that Dumbledore had said he has, I believe the phrase is done a runner, but I couldn't yes. find it anywhere. Like I, like I, I, I like lexicon Google searched it and I had to like Dumbledore, uh, uh, Quotation marks, done a runner, in quotation marks, minus fan, minus fiction, minus fan fiction. It was a big elaborate thing, just anything. And all I could find was when Ron said somebody had done a runner at one point, And I just couldn't find Dumbledore's comment on it. Um, but it just, it, it, it felt like her going back to that well, which I don't have a problem with. Hmm. Um, but I, I had wanted to find that actual joke to, to close that loop. I know that somebody says done a runner because we talk about it in the show because I brought up, I, I know that we talked about it because when I hear done a runner and I know we've done, said it on the fucking show, uh, that it, it reminds me of the, the sort of slang I pick up. I picked up from watching the mighty boosh and they would say done a runner right. at least once. And there's only like 12 episodes. So I definitely like would have committed it to memory. But the one I found with Ron saying he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have called it out like, Oh, as they say done or he would have said right. done a runner. Um, so it was just it, was, it just felt um, kind of indicative of her, how she talks. And that was a cool yeah. moment of like, hey, it's author personality coming through. Um, but I couldn't find it. So it ended up being more of a non note, but someone to bring it up. Nice. My, my next uh, my next notes, uh, 610. Why don't you take it? No, you can go first. No, you, you just keep going. You, you burn your energy a little bit longer. Oh, if, OK. So this is a two part note. Cool. I had some positive notes in this area. I thought it was I thought it was well done how she conveyed a sense of the world being upended of uh, these kids who were, you know, asleep one moment and wake up and now they're all huddled in the Great Hall terrified and the literal boogeyman is outside. She didn't specifically go into um, detail about it, but the atmosphere I, I was engaged. Maybe I was doing the lifting, but it worked for me. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that scene. And then part two of it was I thought it was very cool that she uh, did not use this as a moment to kind of shoehorn in the Slytherins going, no, we do got to take a stand, which wouldn't have been keeping in character, but also she has been hinting at, you know, the sorting hat says everybody should come together and maybe we shouldn't sort and divide into houses. So it could have easily gone that way, but she didn't. She kept to the character and I'm like, oh, that was good. That was a good job. McGonagall was like straight up like, okay, you're, you're fucking out. You're gone. Right. People who are old enough to stay can stay if they're not Slytherin. Everyone else fucking go. And I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Wait, I thought she... So, so she didn't allow any. Sli- I mis- I did not remember that exact part. She did she- Well, she said she told Pansy Parkinson, "You and you can join Mister Filch and the rest of the Slytherins." And it made it sound like the Slytherins definitively, in case anybody was having any ideas of, you know, double crossing or like, "I'm here to fight." Ha ha. Hmm. See, I didn't. I didn't interpret it that way. Okay. Because because then Harry later, uh, remarking on which tables have people remaining uh-huh. re- re- regards the Slytherin table as being completely empty. And I thought that was, that's kind of where my note picks up, um, <clears throat> which is, I guess I'll just jump into it. Sure. Um, which is that I was really hoping we would get a, a moment where we do get the houses to unify, where there are some Slytherins who break the mold and actually are more than one dimensional Bad guys. Window dressing. Sure. Like they're they're just they're they're like the caros. It, it like that's that's something I was actually disappointed in, is that like it feels like that doesn't really make it feel like I don't understand I guess 
through seven books, I don't understand what it is that makes all Slytherins so this way. Minus Slughorn, of course. Yeah, or, or yeah, 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 sure. Um, or m- potentially minus Remus. I mean, like, it's... Um, not Remus. Regulus. Uh, the other Regulus. 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 Yeah, minus yeah. Regulus. Sorry. Um, yeah, like, or minus Snape, arguably, like, as we as we learn in these chapters. But like, so I took that as her saying, "You specifically, Pansy Parkinson, you leave with the rest of the Slytherins." I thought the implication was the underage Slytherins, mm, and okay. then I was hoping we would have a couple standout, like senior year Slytherins sticking by their classmates uh and that didn't happen and that bummed me out just in the sense of like oh that's i don't understand i don't understand how like what the division is are we supposed to believe that part of what puts you in slytherin is believing that like pure blood magic is like believing in that nazi bullshit like believing in the like pure blood stuff and i don't feel like i've seen anything so concrete um and that is kind of what bums me out because that kind of paints it in like a there's no redemption for these people. There's no way back. And I think, you know, I mean, in retrospect, if anybody should want to write in a way back for people who've committed some sort of sin, it should be J.K. Rowling. But she hasn't here. And uh, that bums me out. Um, maybe she doesn't believe that people who have committed sins should get way backs. I don't know. But, um,. That 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 I, I wrote in my note actually was I hope that we get some redemption for them, but after reading these three chapters and at the end of I think the last one there's a there's a comment that either Snape or Voldemort makes about the Slytherins joining back up with his group, and that fucking bothers me uh-huh. uh, a lot because again it just feels like why <laughs> i mean they, they, they kind of give a little bit of a, a explanation at one point about like you shouldn't have let the slytherins go you should have tied them up because aberforth says this i think about like you like you know that a lot of those children's parents are death eaters like they are of course they're going to go fight with their family that's all we got mm-hmm. was and i think one of the things i struggle with with these books is remembering how small these class sizes actually are so you know, I I don't know how many Slytherins are in Harry's class. I don't I don't know. Right. Uh, maybe it's only like twelve or something. So a good portion of them could very easily have parents who are Death Eaters. We know at least Crab and Goyle and Malfoy's parents are are Death Eaters, right? Mm-hmm. That's a huge chunk of that class. I think they mention even others, uh, but it just it just bummed me. I like I was hopeful. I was really hopeful for that, and I haven't. I and then it kind of was shot, and I have a feeling that we're going to get a little bit of Malfoy redemption, but I don't remember exactly what it is. So I'm still holding out hope that there's something there for Draco to, like, because I know I might. I, yeah, I I hope that that happens, mm-hmm. uh, but I just don't remember. Sure, yeah, I honestly don't either. Yeah, did you do both of your six tens? Yeah. Okay, I was trying to remember if I had anything else to add on to yours. Um, I think that it, yeah, it, it is nicely in keeping with McGonagall's character, like being kind of like a stern like powerhouse. But at the same time, like I really wished the author would have given more dimension to Slytherin House. I mean, that would that would have had to set things up earlier. I think for that kind of payoff, when that kind of ties into my six sixteen note, which is next, unless you have one before that. I do. I have a six eleven note. Okay. 
there's a moment on 611 where I think I might just read it. This is McGonagall talking. Absolutely not creepy. Go. You and Peaks. I choose to believe that's Dennis. Creepy. Not Colin. I mean, are they both underage? No. Because Harry well, just is of age and he's in it would have been in his seventh year. I so guess it depends also, on when Colin so was born, age, but Colin was your first year and Harry's second year. Right. I was gonna say, like, so for, so that means it was probably Colin who was trying to stay behind. Doesn't that sort of imply that the teachers all have like a running knowledge of all the children's age and whether or not they're of age? Like always um, in their head. I feel like teachers are kind of that good. That's why teachers I, are not that good. And they don't deserve to be paid nearly as much as they get paid. I'm lying, obviously. That's not how I feel at all. At all. I just I felt like you I'm were saving me up. that quote for when, you're, for when you're running for office. You set me up for like a, to be a contrarian and I played along and now you're going to punish me for it, which I want you to remember for the next time when you I'm running for office, put your foot in your mouth and then I'm like and then I don't do anything and I go remember this remember this moment where I spared you like the like the like, like the mouse and the lion if you say so mouse I'm lost in our metaphors yeah um, it's, we, <laughs> we butchered that shit yeah um anyway I choose to believe it's Dennis not Colin okay um mostly because again like Colin's cool and all but like Dennis had that badass moment <laughs> where he was just like I don't even he, he's like he's like a kid you see who's just in my the way I envision him is he's like a kid who's like double fisting those huge like state fair pixie stick tubes <laughs> and he's just like he's just like you know running around like I'm the king of the world but he's got like snot like like red and blue snot running down his face because he just has that dyed sugar in his in his bloodstream he's uh, living his best life yeah his pupils are his like eyeballs are all pupil and he's just like He's you, like if he was standing in 70 degree weather, he would look like he was steaming because he's that full of energy. <laughs> like, you know how you do when you're out in the cold after mm-hmm. you come out, like you go like you, you're exercising or something. You take your, your hoodie off and like you're just sort of steaming because you've been burning so much energy. That's like him in 70 degree weather. <laughs> um, yeah, I that's that's how he seemed to me the entire ser- series in the probably one paragraph of mentions he's ever gotten collectively. <laughs> yeah, about that. <laughs> All right, my next note is page 617, so I think that puts you first. 616. Um, it's about the great lady. Yeah. Another new plot point that would carry weight if the character uh, had been at all established earlier. It was my just an info dump instead of... Well, go ahead. What was your 617? My, my 617 is, so all of these untapped things, the great lady, the bloody baron, Albania, they all tie together nicely at the end. How interesting in a page and a half yes yes i mean i i i I, she had a ghost ball man some of this could have been established or even hints about it like oh i'm the great lady i was murdered i've got mommy issues that's enough that's enough to make this a callback to go oh shit that's something that that has weight i i definitely feel like it felt so much like what have i not explored like, that's what it felt like. Like, what what out there have I not explored? Like, I'll give her that she 
put a lot of effort into talking about how he'd need something from all of the founders of, of Hogwarts. Sure. And so you've got to get something from Ravenclaw. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess this, I mean, I, I did, I did sincerely mean that it does, I guess, tie together nicely. It doesn't explain why the Baron had to be the one who killed her and then himself. That That's how he got seemed, bloody, man. Don't you get but why it? Would a, but why would he do that? Um, cause he, he flew into a fit of rage and killed the woman he thought he loved. Oh yeah. You know what's going on is I'm confusing him with the fat fryer. Oh yeah. Um, no, no. Fat fryer slaughtered people left and right. <laughs> um, no, okay, fine. Bloody Baron. But what, isn't there some sort of like specific rules about what can turn you into a fucking ghost? I feel like it's, uh, it's either a spell or an option that you do because you can't bear. It's like you to... turn back. Nick talked about no, it, right? I, yeah, but but he also gave the impression that he was an impression of himself, not a. And and so in that case, if he's just an echo of himself, does that mean that whatever him that would have continued on did go on, uh, and that the impression of himself st- it nothing makes fucking sense. <laughs> it's 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 sloppy. It's sloppy, man. It's sloppy rules. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, it feels feels kind of sloppy. It just. It just it also just feels very convenient. And I think that's the other thing about it that bothers me is like uh, I'm trying to be fair. I'm trying to be really like because there were parts of me that liked it. Like, oh, yeah, finally we get to learn about the, the Ravenclaw ghost. But it's also like, yeah, but why didn't we ever before? Like, I, I, I guess for me, it's like if I lived in Hogwarts, there's there's so many times in these books where you get weeks that just pass by. Uh-huh. Or days that just pass by, or months that get fast forwarded through, uh-huh. and in those times, even if you're talking about like they were really busy with their owls or something like that, you'd think that at one point Harry would say to Luna at breakfast or, or something like, "Hey, uh, dude, what's with the gray lady? Do you know anything about that?" Absolutely, absolutely. There's a number of times they could have le- we could have at least found out the gray lady. I mean, I, I heard it. She re- she said it apocryphally at some point. Because I was always interested in the Grey Lady. But she could have at any time said the Grey Lady was the Ravenclaw ghost. Right. And she definitely just didn't. So the Bloody Baron is the Slytherin ghost? I think so. Because, yeah, because wasn't there in the first book where, like, he looked over and saw the Bloody Baron sitting next to an uncomfortable looking Draco because it was their table, the Slytherin table? Oh. And if he could have that kind of, you know, canny understanding of how things work that he should have been able to look at the Ravenclaw table anytime in his six years and gone, Oh, great lady must be this Ravenclaw ghost. But then again, I guess that's why he's not in Ravenclaw. Yeah. I, I, I whatever. <laughs> um, said well, six, seven. No, you just did that. Mine's six. I just did that. Uh, six, 18. Oh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm like, like, damn it. Foiled again. Um, this is the one that's kind of like, it's kind of, uh, so at this point in the book, he's he's referencing hiding places. He's yeah. referencing a place that no one would have been. And so my thought was, oh, it's probably the Chamber of Secrets. Like there's probably something hidden in the Chamber of Secrets because that more than anywhere is a place that no one has gone. Mm-hmm. No Most one people would thought have... it was not even real. Exactly. But he did and he put something in there already. So why wouldn't he stash this thing there? And when I was reading this point, I was like, oh, yeah. And I know that you were asking me about why Ron and Hermione went to the bathroom like last episode or something like that. And I was like, 
I think it's good to talk to Myrtle. And you were like, why? And I was going through that. And I, 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 in the back of my head, like I did remember that the chamber of secrets is accessed through that bathroom. Uh And I was trying to like, and I was thinking like, well, they probably would go to the chamber of secrets, but I couldn't necessarily figure out why at that moment. So at this moment in these pages, I'm thinking, Oh, that's why they're going to beat Harry to the diadem. He's going to meet them there, discover them in some sort of peril to get it. And then they're going to have to do something heroic to get it. And then that didn't happen. Yeah. And what did happen was differently exciting, but I feel like, and did involve the chamber right? and did involve them going down there. And I did at some point think to myself, why didn't they ever go back down to get that, any of those other fangs? But I also thought, I know that the the chamber collapses in that movie, at least. A part of the, a, the part of the tunnel collapses, but Harry goes on while Ron stays behind to shift the rubble so they can get out. Right. So my point is, if there's access in and out of the chamber, mm-hmm. why didn't anybody ever go down there to clean it up? Why didn't like we've talked Hagrid... about that? I think we did. Yeah, because we were like, this is also an archaeological, you know. Yes. Yes. Wizard archaeology dig. They had so much they could learn from this, and it's so never much. Dumbledore on. should have been like absolutely a, 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 ecstatic about being he able to have been explore. Down there like, like the Tom Riddle's all over this place. I can smell them. All, all of the Slytherins being yeah. like, this is this is like, let's do classes down here. Like, let's. Let's we go can down study here. a basilisk like, safely because it doesn't we, have we, eyes we, and it's you, dead as long as it's safe from the take, teeth. They could take the basilisk skeleton Absolutely. and set it up in like a museum or something. Or they like could hang, hang it in the Great somewhere. Hall, yeah. Like we, we hung yeah. a whale in our school. It was amazing. You skeleton, did? a whale skeleton, yeah. Oh, wow, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, like that. Um, but like it's it's just sitting there, just like rusting for seven years or six years. Decaying, but yeah. Five years? <laughs> if you're going to math correctly, yes. If I'm going to math, if I'm going to arithma math tech correctly. That was painful. Well, trying getting stuck with a basilisk fang. Uh, but also, they're just going to gather them up in a sack or in their shirts, and they're not going to be instantly punctured by them? I mean, that does seem like... Like, uh, like you ever see that... Uh... Maybe Hermione probably imperio or impervious to their clothes. I haven't seen this movie, but I, I understand that it's a. I, from what I understand, there's a movie called Wages of Fear okay. that is about two miners who are supposed to be tr- like moving like nitroglycerin or something like that, or like dynamite that's or something like that. They're moving this stuff and they have to be very careful with it. And that like, huh. like there's this. I think they. I, I don't. Maybe I'm wrong. If no, I'm wrong, it's, it's it just sounds it. like that Roy Scheider movie, like uh, the the Sorcerer. Well, there's an episode of Lost that's very much that, too. Okay. There's an episode of Lost where they... I'll use that as the example because I have seen that and I do know what I'm talking about. I haven't seen any of these (laughs) things we're talking about, but go ahead. There's an episode of Lost where they discover an old, like, shipwreck, like an old pirate shipwreck. And when they get to it, they find these, like, cases of dynamite. And they have with them a... One of the passengers on the flight was, like, a, a middle school science teacher... And so they take him with them to help them get the dynamite. But because of the decades, perhaps century that the dynamite's been sitting there, it's been exposed to the hot and cold, moist and and dry of the elements. And it started to like decay and leak nitroglycerin. Like the, the chemical elements inside have like coagulated or like congealed and turned into sort of a, like a sappy, 
external of the, of the dynamite stick, like like dripping looking thing. And the idea is that we have to transport these incredibly carefully. They can't bump up to anything. They can't like get too much anything or they'll explode. Right. And so there's this very careful and like terrifying scenes of them moving this like dynamite out of that area. And so I was thinking of it like, man, that would have been a really cool scene to have seen uh, in the book with like Hermione and Ron talking well, let's not, about let's how not get ahead of ourselves because be. that's later in these notes. Okay. Um, but uh, I also thought that like I discarded like the idea that the, the thing would have been in the chamber of secrets because at the same time it kind of felt really obvious. And I was like, and, sh- and I have this problem when reading these books of, like disregarding the obvious because I believe that's the path towards a red herring. Sure. And I don't like being tricked. I don't like being made a fool of, especially in my reading. So I, I, (laughs) um, I often will discount what I, what I perceive to be the obvious, um, you know, uh, possibility because I don't like, that feeling right so I, that's what i did here and i guess i turned out to be right sort of kind of um pretty close but also there was no mention of myrtle and that bums me out anyway that... 620 oh 620 i had uh done the research ahead of time i was very excited to call up the scene in uh the bit where he finds the diadem and uh uses it as a marker when he's hiding his book and i did that and i wrote it down it's page 527 of uh Half-Blood Prince, and then they just explain it. They just fully call it back. <laughs> Not I. I was I was like, oh, man, whatever. Okay, fine. That's awesome. It, it seemed like I, it, uh, it seemed it seemed more overt than when they mentioned the callback to the locket. I didn't remember it at all. Yeah. Not at all. I even even when we read that chapter, and I was like, no, oh, there's a clue here. Not at all. Okay, well. My 620 is they did animate gargoyles to fight for them. Yeah, they did. And I called it. You did. Still no Keith David. Still not Keith David. I, 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 but you could read that as if that character is speaking in Keith David's voice. True. I mean, the only thing stopping you from doing that is your own imagination. Well, I can't, I can't really hit that pitch. He's got that deep gravitas. I, I can't. I can't get down there. He's got that deep, but he also has like, it's kind of like, he's got this little high, he's got this high that he also hits. He's got this like, he's just so perfect. It's, it's a little, um, it's a, it's a little not, not in any way, uh, disparagingly, just descriptively nasal. Yeah. It's like nasal, but it. gravelly. It's, it's so good. I love it. Uh, 622. Uh, 625. Okay. Well, I'm not saying I agree with Aberforth, but I really enjoyed his pragmatic opportunism opportunism uh regarding uh you should have kept some slytherins as hostage yeah I, I, that amused me i'm like i mean he's not wrong and here's like your I brother wonder, wouldn't have done that and Aberforth's like yeah no shit and look where he is i kind of wonder if she's supposed if she's trying to paint aberforth as like the rational foil to dumbledore's scheming personality um. like Aberforth is all about the immediate quickest solution to the problems. Dumbledore is conniving and clever and plans ahead. That makes these sense. massive like plot twisty things. Um he's he's playing wizard's chess as we've in 
season one maybe beat over the head um they're they're it's clearly a huge metaphor right it's it's all over this stuff um what what about the suggested any of these characters are, are pawns being manipulated by dumbledore i mean you call them plons you call them lambs to the slaughter um whatever you want to call them it's, it's all manipulation it's like he's playing a game yeah whatever um, I, I kind of like that too. I like, I liked Aberforth's, uh, attitude of like, <laughs> he reminded, I don't know, for some reason I kind of read him like, uh, like Scotty from Star Trek. Hmm. Like, he's just like, oh, are you fucking kidding me, man? You gotta do this. Like, of course we can't do that. Like this sort of exacerbated, like, like very smart guy. And everyone's just like, okay, he says so. But Harry talks back to him a little. I don't like it when Harry talks back to people. And I think nope. it's mostly because I think Harry's an asshole and like, it, you gotta be a it, little bit of an asshole to talk back to people, I guess. But he does like when he does it, it's like n- he is always right. Well, yeah. Cause he's the captain Kirk, I guess. But like sometimes he's, I don't know. I would like, I, I guess I don't, I'm not remembering the times when he's sassed back people and they've sassed him back better. Uh-huh. I, I think that that, that's what makes a balanced asshole. <laughs> I don't know, balanced asshole just struck me very amusingly. What's, wow. What's your uh, next note? Probably going to want to cut that part. Rob. I get struck by assholes all the time. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start here like you can cut here, so you can just <laughs> cut here. What is your next note? Page 625. Well, mine's 623, which is all about... Um, how the whole Chamber of Secrets sequence, Chamber of Secrets sequence played out. So okay. I stopped you a second ago. Let's talk about that now. Which, which, what? Well, oh, 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 oh yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. And you don't mean the book, you mean the location. Yeah, the Chamber of Secrets sequence. Gotcha. It was very hard to say. It's hard to follow. I understand. Yep, go ahead. Oh, no, well, why don't you go ahead? You can you can well, speak my notes, <laughs> speak my truth. <laughs> yeah, that's something I can just do. Sing my um, song. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't have a note here. Okay, so it's fine. Really... <laughs> I'll take care of it. Because I feel like you you're, you were saying some of the same things that I wrote. Just get me back started. Like, sure, like sure, prime sure, sure. my engine. I get some of the reasons that the Chamber of Secrets adventure happened off screen, as it were. Uh, but right. I, I'm still not, I still don't love it because it's such a big part of the plot. You can't, I get that she can't just start following Ron and Hermione without Harry there because the books have always been from Harry's point of view, except for the times when they've had like the one off chapters that have, you know, said things. But you can't just start following Ron and Hermione without him there. Um, so narratively, that that would have been disingenuous, but I, I still don't like that it happened in the background and that they just got rid of this other Horcrux. Like, hey, it's fixed. I didn't like that either. I I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't it, know what the fix is. Um, I mean, the fix is have them bring the cup up to Harry, and then and then and then Ron suggests Hermione. It should be you, and then let us see that moment. Let Hermione have that moment. Why does Hermione's moment of destroying a Horcrux have to happen off screen? I like, think because she's trying to do this realistic time line thing where you get split up and everyone's doing something but since the narrative only follows Harry it has to be from his point of view 
Um, I, that's what that's my problem with this. I, I I get it, and I don't see a better way to do it because because it would have problem... it would have wasted time for, to have them bring everything back up and then destroy it. It made sense to do it down there where they were safe and they weren't about to be attacked by anybody. Sure. My problem with it, I think, is is uh, not. I don't really have too many problems with it. Really, it's just like it. It feels in a book that is so incredibly long, in a series known for being incredibly long. Yes. That this, the last two Horcruxes, are destroyed almost effortlessly on the part of the characters. Almost like, oh, you know, they had to suffer through camping for a hundred or two hundred pages and and doing nothing, so we could get to the point where it's old hat for them to destroy Horcruxes, right. and it's, it's so easy now. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels like each one of these things should have been a Herculean. Uh, what do you call them? Uh, yeah, yeah. Ordeal, uh, 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 or, ordeal, uh, right? Uh, trial. Was it trial? Trial. I thought it was. Or, I thought it was ordeal. The, the, or, but I know the, what you mean. He had labors, yeah. labors, labors. Said, yeah, the labor. labors of Hercules. The labors of Hercules. It wasn't like, each one of them should have been yeah, one of those. It wasn't skin the golden fleece, uh, destroy a cyclops, tame a dragon, and then hoe somebody's garden. Yeah, I mean, like, like Hercules didn't just, like, go to the supermarket in Athens and pick up some golden apples and some golden fleece and then come back and he's like, he's like, you know, you can actually do this all online and they'll like they'll pick it out for you and then bring it to your, like, your chariot and you can just have it. That, that doesn't happen because that's what's What slot are you in? Uh, V-I-I? Okay, I'll be right out. <laughs> It'll be uh, when the sun is on the... <laughs> The three eyes on the tur- of the sundial. That's when you need to be at your spot. Yeah, <laughs> and this is all done by Raven. Of course, something. of course, of course. Um, yeah, that's not what happens. Uh, or Mercury. Mercury goes back and forth and delivers <laughs> these messages. Sorry, it's too much. Um, the uh, no, keep it coming. <laughs> Percy Jackson's next. I know it's not. You you don't know anything about what's next. Fuck. Um, that I that I. Weasel it out. Well, but that's my problem with with the way that those those Horcruxes got dealt with is like one was literally happenstance, uh, like oh shucks, I guess it's done. Yep. The other one was it, this is a great moment for this character that you don't get to see, and but th- for both of those reasons, it for me is unsatisfying. Yep. And so you were gonna say, Ron speaking parcel tongue, I thought that was super lazy. Yep. I feel. Like my in my memory, to to be quite fair, in my memory, I for some reason thought he remembered it from back in book two, which I thought was bullshit. But this just happened a couple of days ago in the forest, so fine, maybe. But still, I thought, like, if for some reason Ron had to be the one to open the locket and Harry walked him through it somehow, like repeat after me kind of thing, that would be more realistic than Ron just hissing at the door until it worked or the sink until it worked. It felt to me like <laughs> like if you were going to pretend to speak Spanish by adding A to the end of everything or like La Computoro, like if, like something like that where it's like it felt like he probably did it like that. If like right. if you were a native Parseltongue speak, speaker, if you were a snake, you'd probably be really offended by whatever <laughs> the fuck Ron did or said in that moment. Or you'd be like, oh, so you're you're just making fun of me. Right. I'm just a joke to you. My, my native language is a joke. Cool. Cool. You're you're a dick, Weasley. <laughs> um, <laughs> like. That, that's how I interpreted it. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Yeah, but um, also, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like the device of it. Right. Uh, like, I, why? Had she? No, I guess because they need to open the sink. I, I, I keep thinking it's that, 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 uh, that big snake safe door from the movie, but it's not. It's opening the sink in, and and right. going into right. it. So no, it doesn't work. Because I mean, just yeah. they could just left it open, but. Six twenty-five. Go for it. I I, said, I just said I guess this is a, a good time to kiss. <laughs> I kind of mean that. I mean it does it does mm. it does make sense. Like the, the line where he says like, where Ron says like, yeah, but dude, like if this is it, if we die, then there's no better time than right now to kiss to finally do this. Uh, I get that. Yeah, absolutely. I still felt like it was weird. It was weird. Um, super lucky Hermione didn't uh, drop any of those fangs in her foot as she. Yeah, yeah. The, dropped them because she needed to get her uh, her her Weasley on, or her thigh. Yes, or or into her thigh. Sure. Yeah. Any any. I mean, just because like you know, it's the biggest. It's like where the biggest bone in your body. Well, I mean, lives. you're throwing your arms down. It could hit your wrist. There's so many places. It could do you, anything. Absolutely. Like, they don't have a phoenix anymore. Oh, no, they don't. So yeah, like it could be literally anything, and uh, it's fine. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. It's good it kiss. Just, uh, like it. Whatever. Like I guess what I mean by it was it I like is it was fine is that like even though I don't ship those characters I still was like all right yeah, <laughs> like, appreciate a good like, kiss you know they don't need to be soulmates to enjoy a snog yeah um it, I, I tell you what it works better in my head though if uh, if he's not Rupert Grant or she's not Emma Watson because those two not so much but in my mind it's a slightly less glamorous Hermione and a slightly less goofus Ron and it works very well. Oh, that's sweet. Uh, my um, next I note still, is... I'm not, well, I'm not saying... I'm, again, I'm, I'm not saying they're, uh, they're, they're destined for eternal love. I'm just saying it works better. That's all I'm saying. Sorry, what's your next note? 632. 628. Go for it. I've caught you out, J.K., you okay. have lied. You changed. This is a. This is my Annie Wilkes moment. <gasps> this is. That's not what happened. You dirty birdie. Oh no. <clears throat> Six twenty-eight. Yeah. Uh, crab. His voice was surprisingly soft. Right. Okay. When, when Crab spoke, as Harry ever hardly ever heard him talk, his, his voice was surprisingly soft. I don't listen to you anymore, Draco. But you know what? Let's go back to Chamber of Secrets. Okay. Back in time. Whoa. I'm so much younger. <laughs> By months. Page 217, Chamber of Secrets. Are you two okay? Goyle's low rasp of a voice issued from, its, from his mouth. Yeah. Came the deep grunt of crab from his right. Wow. We have heard crab talk when Ron was crab, because in the books, the voices change too when you take Polyjuice. So, uh, you caught. Yeah, I think that's that's the straw, man. That was the I straw. Was fucking, I was like, I was like Beverly Cats, going through that, uh, that those fibers with the fine tooth comb. And the metal filings came out. Gotcha. Yeah, Minnesota you're, you're like, Strike rolling, MS you're, rolling. You're, you're you're Beverly Cats in that you've split this open in <laughs> tiny little slices and arranged it just so perfectly 
to where it sure looks like a perfect book until you turn it on its side. side. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> I was very proud of myself. Because, <laughs> you know, it's the paperwork, really, that catches all the, all the worst criminals. It's, 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 it's just combing over through that data. That's, that's, that's police work. Maybe change our name you of the podcast to Book Police. You got him. Got him. Uh, 6.35 is my next note. So uh, All right, I've got sit a back and, then. and take it easy. <laughs> I, I've earned my Six, retirement. 6.32. I'm getting too old for this shit. Uh, my note here is, okay, so Crab is incredibly good at dark arts all of a sudden? Uh-huh. Is yep. this new? Uh, or or And then I wrote here, are we supposed to assume, and I guess I meant presume, it's part of him learning unforgivable curses at the hands of the Karos, which later uh-huh. we learn it absolutely is retroactively justified as, or supposed as There you that. go. There it is. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. And I have another note on that later, so we'll oh, get there, Oh, so I do I. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have it. I have, so that just, I'm just going to go through that one so we can get to it later when it I, comes I, up I again. Think it's a, but to answer your question, I think it's a combination. I think it's 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 a hitherto untapped talent for the dark arts and cruelty uh, fostered and nurtured by the Karos. But why did dark arts have to be based on cruelty? Because they're I, I dark. Because dark is bad and cruelty is bad. Duh. But so often the dark art class is literally just like, here's how you defend against a naturally oh, occurring oh, creature. That's defense against the dark arts. Those creatures are dark and arty. But but like if dark art class, like what? I mean, I guess again, like what makes those creatures dark arts? They're just. They, it's like what? Wouldn't defense against bogarts be more under the purview of the like the animal? class okay oh yes yes that's a good point lupin's classes were definitely very factored very heavy in magizoology or cryptozoology more than any other uh teachers had done other than you know the pixies with um gilder lockhart um but i think it's the defense part of it where hagrid's teaching you to care for them he's teaching you the defense so it just kind of falls under yeah, this is more just dealing with shit that's not necessarily evil, but will totally eat you because that's its in nature. Um, and meanwhile, we're also talking about other things. All right. My next note is on page six, eight, uh, 632. Okay. And it, it's a response to one of the descriptions she has for the uh, fiend fire. Yep. And it's when she describes a raptor snapping its jaws in the fire. Okay. And I thought that was... I didn't like it. Well, if it makes you feel better, I believe raptor is a much more common word for birds of prey in England. Fine. Your hawks, your uh, eagles. But it's also incredibly generic when it comes to... Like, like if she had said, pa- uh, uh, the jaws of a pachyderm snapped after... Ron, then I would have said, well, it's one of two creatures. I mean, like because there's so many birds of prey, there's so many raptors. We know it's some. I'm sure when you're looking at a a creature made out of flame, you're not going to be there and like, oh, it's got eight pinion feathers, so it can't be a hawk. It's just just say it's a big bird with a curved beak that's going to tear some flesh. But she didn't say that. She said raptor. Yeah, because that's a big bird with a curved beak. It's also the, the the colloquial term for the giant, like aggressive monster dinosaurs from Jurassic Park. I mean, they're they're, they're person size. They're not giant. They're six feet. Only the Utah Raptor is six feet. Cheetah the, speed. The Velociraptor is actually much smaller. Still, 
the uh, the idea there that like I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just a, maybe that's fine. I, I can accept that she could have meant bird of prey, but like there are so many different kinds that just say one. Just pick one. Just falcon, hawk, eagle. You don't even have to get into like the the specific types. Falcon, I'm, hawk, eagle. I, I forgot about falcon. First of all, uh, I'm gonna give it to her because I don't know how that word's used in Britain. Well, we we had a conversation about that last night, so I'll let it go. Did we? Yeah, we had the whole conversation about how <laughs> about how they call uh, f- fries chips, oh, chips right. crisps. Cookies, biscuits. That was rather embarrassing for you, wasn't it? No, it was a litany of grievances. It wasn't embarrassing. <laughs> you got all kerfuffled. You're like, I don't know which one's which. Which potato product? I knew product which one's is was which. which. I'm saying product. it's dumb. It doesn't make any sense you why called, they're so You called chips, chips crisps when they were clearly fries. Okay, that isn't <laughs> part of what I'm talking about. I said it right this time. I know. I'm talking about last night when you got kerfuffled. That's what but that doesn't add anything to the story. It just it takes shows away. that you are frightened by British language. No, it it doesn't. It it just takes away from the larger point I was making, which is why I didn't include it in the story. Oh, see, that's the story to me. You're bearing no, the lead because w- you're not listening. It's <laughs> <laughs> <Like>, also possible. <laughs> like, sorry, you're not listening. I'm trying to draw a comparison to the overall issue of. Uh, British and English colloquial words not matching American words that are the same words and they have different meanings and how silly that is. It's not and and we what I'm trying to do is add to the litany of offenses the word raptor. Okay, that makes sense. Should've That's just said the that. Over, that uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I don't think she should have said raptor. Raptor is confusing to me. Maybe it's because I love Jurassic Park and when I hear raptor, I am aware enough to know the word raptor means bird of prey. But also big scary dinosaurs. Oh, that's but that that exact line is in Jurassic Park. It's the thing. It's Grant saying that when he's at the dig. He's like, "Look here, you can see the spine tur- curves. Like, you know, oh look at that. No wonder these things turned into evolved into birds." And then everyone chuckles and goes, "No, I'm serious." Many, and then he goes into it. And, and one of the things he says is, "Even the word raptor means bird of prey." Doesn't look scary. Looks like a giant turkey. Turkey. Oh, you've got buttons too. <laughs> anyway, we can move on from there. Okay. Six thirty-five. Uh, mine's six thirty-four. Okay, go ahead. Whoa, crab died. <laughs> That's my note. I just I don't remember that happening in the movie. Well, you wouldn't have. Because Does it not happen in the movie. Well, well, well. Sorry, I had a Bruce McCullough moment there. <laughs> Well, um, in the movie, by that point, and even by maybe movie, they started sneaking him in in movie three, and then by definitely <gasps> oh. by movie seven, he's been replaced by some new generic Slytherin stooge. Right, you told me about this. Yeah, because I think the actor started getting arrested for like selling drugs and stuff. My God. And as such, I don't. I honestly don't know which one of them makes it out or if, uh, if the the other one dies or whatever, how they do it. But it, I can see it being very confusing as, as to what you remember from the movie. I don't remember this too too much of this part of the movie. Yeah. But yeah, Crab is dead. That's, that's pretty intense. 
I mean, I, I don't care, but it's also it's, it just seems kind of like like a lot. Uh, my next one is page six thirty-five. Go for it. Uh, right here, I just said, uh, um, "Fuck!" What am I talking about in this note? Uh, <laughs> now I just can't wrote. Write. I just wrote. I was right. Ron supposed the same as I, so I must have been right. <laughs> I can't remember what he supposed. Uh, that the Caros taught him. Dark that's curse. it. That yeah. the Caros. Yes, that's it. Exa- that's exactly the moment where the he's like, I, "Oh, suppose the Caros taught him dark art stuff." Fuck. Um. Fuck. Mine was, I'd been waiting for this moment. Uh, from the beginning of this chapter, because I finally wanted to say out loud in public, "Fuck fiend fire." Oh yeah. This is the worst Deus Ex rolling. I I I. I <sighs> flames at the side of my face burning um i think the thing i I don't like how it comes out of nowhere i don't like that someone who has you know gotten the worst marks in school suddenly can perform it but what i hate most of all is hermione's oh that's on the list of things that can destroy horcruxes why have we not heard about this fucking list why have yeah. they not heard about the, why is this a surprise yeah. this is not hogwarts of history why right. do ron and harry go really maybe she should have you know given them the list should they ever have come across any of these things right what the fuck that yeah. that is that's worse than the chamber of secrets uh, sojourn that sucks i definitely read that and thought i must my, my comprehension must be bad again because i don't remember this being a thing they've talked about before no they have never talked about this before because ron didn't even know what it was called and hermione had to go it was probably fiend fire which means it absolutely it had to be fiend fire because she you know supposed it right because yeah uh made me very angry no, I, I, I don't remember ever hearing about Fiendfire before. Nope. At all, much less it's a thing that can destroy Horcruxes. Uh, do you remember if we'd ever heard about it before? No, no, we've, no. I'm saying we've we've never heard about it before. Oh, okay. It's not uh, even in like an offhand defense against the dark arts. Anything? Nope. Um, wow. This is. So, what are the two things then? On is it just Basilisk Venom and Fiendfire? Because the sword is infused with basilisk venom, that's why it works. Has there been any other way of destroying a Horcrux? Dumbledore did something. We don't know what it was. Don't, no, we do know. We do know what it was later. We know how he did destroyed it, or that he did yeah. destroy it. Okay, no, we know I don't... how. Well, you want to wait till we get there, or you want to let me know now? Because I'll, I'll leave that one up to you. Because I, I don't, don't remember. remember if it's in chapter thirty-three. I don't right. know if I have a note on it. Snape's um... memory, or or, or or whatever the Snape memory one, right? Yeah, it, the prince's tale. It's in that. Tale. It's in that chapter, but I don't. I don't know if I have a note on it. So I, we could talk about it now. We could talk about it then if you have let's, notes on it. Let's look for it then. Then. Eh, we'll no, let's look for it now. now. You're right. Yeah. Because well, uh, well, I know what it is. I know what it says. What does um, it say? It's it's just in the part where Snape is taking care of Dumbledore after Dumbledore destroys the ring and it explodes on his arm or it curses him on his arm. So what happened is I think what we're supposed to imagine is that Dumbledore got the ring. Something about it sort of enticed him. That's how I looked at it. Like something about it made him enticed him to put it on. Oh, you're right about that. 
when he put it on, it cursed him and the curse started to spread. Yes. When the curse started to spread, he took the sword of Gryffindor and smashed the ring with it on his hand. Uh. And that caused, he thought that that might cause the ring to stop uh, See, I don't, spreading the curse. I don't think that's quite the order of events. Uh, let me see here. Okay. Marvolo's Gaunt's ring lay on the desk before Dumbledore. It was cracked. The sword of Gryffindor lay beside it. You're right. That does cover it. Um, no, it, it, even later he says that he thought if he hit it with the ring while he was wearing it, it would stop it, I think. Okay. Um, but there was one other specific phrase I wanted to find. Oh, no. No, you're right. Nope. You're right about the wording. I was wrong. Everything you said is correct. Cool. Yeah, that's the for some reason I remember that very well. Um, um, but you were also right that something about the ring enticed him. Yeah, there's something about the ring that like encouraged him to put it on. Um, I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm giving I, you I a look. It was, like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm. I know what it is. We'll just. I know. Well, we'll find out <laughs> in the next episode. I fucking know, man. Um, my next note is on page six thirty-five. Okay, go see. Uh, here on 635, Hermione says, this means if we can just get the snake, and then she ellipsis is off. And I think that, I want to I wanna go on an exercise of, what do you think she would have said if she had finished that thought? Let's read it for context. Wow, turn right to it. But don't you realize, whispered Hermione, this means if we can just get the snake... Uh, we can attack Dumbledore or Voldemort. I'm doing it now. You think it's just attack? Because they can attack him now. No, but they wouldn't do anything because because they need to kill the get the hor- Horcruxes. Right. So I'm saying I don't think she would have finished it with the word attack. Oh, kill. Yeah. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. And so that I think it's I think I'd like to talk about in this moment. <laughs> the sort of thing that we're glossing over because it's an adventure story, which is that these children have murder on their minds. Yes. These children are planning and, and questing with the express, maybe not, maybe not express, maybe it just alluded to, but pretty fucking clear goal of killing a person. Mm-hmm. And you think this is the first time she's really realized it? No, what, I uh. think that we as the audience are, have been led to forget that that's what we're cheering these children on to do. Okay. And I think it's worth as an audience reflecting on that. Absolutely. Reflecting on how, what we, on our own bloodlust in these moments, because we've been like, this is kind of propaganda in that sense. Like, I'm not saying that I think that the character of Voldemort isn't evil. Clearly he is. Sure. But do we as people believe that the only solution to handling evil is murder? I mean, this is back to that whole child soldier thing you've talked about and brought up before. Right, right. And the, you're right, it, it is, is kind of glossing it over. It's, 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 don't worry about the dirty details. I'll, the author will take care of it. It's just have fun. It, But that's exactly the problem I'm having with it, is that, like, we are, if you're cheering on for Harry Potter to beat Voldemort, you're, he doesn't beat him any, she's built the, the structure of this narrative to be that he cannot beat him any other way than killing him. Mm-hmm. That's that's a heavy thing to to like want a child to do. I mean, mm-hmm. even if you say he's seventeen, like oh, even if you argue that maybe it technically doesn't go down that way, 
Right. That's not what the mindset any of these people are in. And so that doesn't no. count. They, they all are, are they, like, like you yeah. said, they have murder on their mind. That is what they're after. That's the quest. And, and so and that, that is counts. what Dumbledore has bred them to do. That's what he's right. trained them up to this point to do mm-hmm. is is to prepare themselves mentally and emotionally with not only being okay with, but being eager to kill an enemy of, of Dumbledore's. Right. And, and that smacks of, like I said before, child soldiers. It's, it's, it feels like the kind of things that you hear warlords doing, Uh uh like kidnapping babies and then training them from babyhood to be addicted to drugs, to be, uh, to carry around guns and encourage them to go loot, murder, rape people in other villages and take their shit because that's what the, that's how they can be effective. And I want to I want to again I, I want to bring this up one more time because it's a slightly different angle. But to, to, I want to staunch any uh, angry comments regarding this because I'm sure we'll get so many. Oh, it's totally will. Um, even if it's part of the plan that it doesn't go down that way, and Dumbledore knows that, and thereby. It exonerates Harry because Harry doesn't have to make that killing blow. That doesn't count because Dumbledore has set Harry up to believe it has to be this way. And so he's cultivated Harry's mind to be open to this and to want it and to seek it out. And that's not okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah, That's That's one of the probably the heavier notes I had for this this episode. (laughs) My next note's 637. Mine too. Okay. Um, I liked Fred's death. <laughs> I didn't enjoy it, per se, I, but I liked it. I liked how it was done. Yeah. Uh, what was your note? My note was, maybe now I'll remember it was Fred who dies. Oh, yeah. Um. I think I know what you mean when you say you liked his death. Yeah. What what I liked about it, if we're going to use that word, is that it happens in a moment where you actually it's 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 showing not telling. That's yeah. what I liked about it. Yes. You are it's you exactly. see you see Fred making peace with Percy. Mm-hmm. That's you so powerful. You, you see exactly, but that's why it's powerful is because she's showing, not telling. It's not like an exposition dump. It's not a fucking like contrived riddle that gets solved in 20 pages. It's, it's a moment between two brothers. It's a moment between two brothers. That's it's a relief that it's happening. It is because it's been so many books that they've been like apart from each other. It's the last time they get to have that thing. They at least get to have that thing mm-hmm. that that like uh, reconciliation but and then it is abruptly taken from them and they will never get another moment to do right. that. And and that is so beautifully cathartic and tragic at once. Mm-hmm. And she does it without telling me that it's cathartic and it's tragic. She shows it to me and lets me experience it in those ways. Mm-hmm. That's why it's good. Yeah. And, and that is that is something that I have experienced lacking in these books. Absolutely, no, I agree. I absolutely agree. Um, and like, so, while I don't wish that character died, no, and I don't think you do either. No, absolutely not, because he's a great character. It's that, no, it's that it 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 is effective as a death in the story because it's done well. The scream, I loved. 
the, the scream that Harry heard and just, I mean, he knows instantly, even though he hasn't yet articulated it and, and he's trying to work through it as she's explaining it to the audience. And so we get to like, oh shit, like this is a scream worse than pain or fear. And we know that something bad's happened. Right. That's great. Uh, the way Percy reacts and in, in that instant, just in his like insane insistence not to leave the body because it's not George, it's Percy. Right. He, you know that he is... It, it, compounding his grief with the fact that it didn't have to be this way. He could have had so much more time with his brother, but he was choosing to be a dick. And right. even though he's changed his mind and, and tried to make peace with that, that's that, that, that absence, that cavity is still going to plague him all of his life. He's going to regret that forever. And you know, all of that by watching his behaviors, yes. not having it told to you. Yes, exactly. So good. It's great. It, it like you feel all those things when he refuses to leave multiple times. Multiple times, <laughs> Ron tries to get him to go. Harry has to. Harry only gets him to go by helping him move the body, and it's almost like before Percy can realize what's happening, he's helping move the body because it's like Percy doesn't even know that's what he needs to do. Like right. that's what he's not able to. That's why he's not able to let go because he he he's his brain's broken. He's he's unless you've if you i'm sure you've been in these situations but unless you've been in that situation you're not going to know what that mindlessness is like like that that emergency brain is your brain's moving so slow that you can't catch right you can't catch up to what's happening and you end up like just sort of stalling. It's like it's like it's like you're buffering slower than normal because you have too much stimulus coming in. And it takes somebody like like restarting you a little, giving you a jump like Harry does by just picking him up before you realize, yeah, that's exactly what I need to do. I need to move the body. I like that's the next task I have. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Let's do that. And then from there you start to figure out how to how to move forward. But like in that moment it's so beautifully done that Percy just sits there and like, like has that panic of like, he doesn't say, he doesn't have to say, I don't know what to do next. I don't know how to take care of my brother. He doesn't have to say that shit. He just sits in it. And you know that he's trying his hardest to like, he's simultaneously trying to care for his brother. But also, like you said, he's going through all those feelings of like all at once of like, if only I hadn't been such an asshole for years, I, I wouldn't have had, 20 minutes or an hour with my brother and and yeah yeah, it's it's very well done i wish he would do more of it i think these bursts of writing are probably what people remember when they like these books that's so now that's the end of my notes for this chapter yeah me too Oh, so, so at that point, I want to say that I do believe that these are the, I think we lucked into just the way we structure our show into the three best chapter collection uh-huh. in the whole series. Like I've said before that I think there's singular chapters that on their own stand out mm-hmm. as well-written, like very enjoyable chapters. But I think that these three, because they are the, in my opinion, basically the the culmination of a lot of buildup and a lot of other stuff, and they are very well written. Especially the last one yep. does that like does that whole Dumbledore esque exposition dump where you tie up all the loose ends. Except this time, it's Snape tying them up for all seven books. Uh, I got to know um, about that. <laughs> yeah, it, it 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 like it's still like 
even that in the way that was never done in any of the previous books is done in a way where it all kind of ties together and 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 paints its own singular narrative about who Severus Snape really is. Right. Um, so even that is very well done because it's done as sort of like a micro uh, masterclass in that thing. So I think we are very lucky in these chapters. Again, I would have liked them to have more of them. But uh, I think that brings us to chapter 32. The Elder Wand. My first note is on page 646. Hey, me too. Um, before we do that, I just want to register my surprise that that was still just one chapter that we talked about. That was... Yeah. There's a lot going well, on there. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. 646. Why don't you take it? Because mine, mine's the three-parter. Okay. Uh, well, mine's a, basically the attack of Lavender Brown. Okay. Um... So I first wrote 646, so is Lavender Brown a werewolf now? And then I stopped and I just Googled it. And everyone seems to agree that she's dead or has or died from her wounds. I don't know if we get more closure on that, but I'm going to go ahead and say the internet knows more. And maybe there's a line later. I don't know. Um, but they also seem to think that Greyback attacked her in human form and... The narrative was very clear that a gray shape rushed past Harry that he took to be an animal on all fours. So I don't know if that's Greyback just being really animalistic or actually in werewolf form. I don't know. I I, I think I, I think it's just uh, the the fandom confused me. What are your thoughts on what happened? That's the first part of my three part note. Is okay. Is Lavender Brown dead? So, um, I kind of looked at it like I am so resentful for having to fill in the blanks for this author. Mm-hmm. that I refuse to believe that character's dead until she fucking tells me she's dead. And that might happen, so we can't hold her accountable yet. Right. So, like, at this point, at this point for me, it's the, and I don't know when this happens. Um, oh, that's later. It's next the next page. Sure. Um, so I won't go into that yet. But it's, um, I don't, I don't fuck with that shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't believe Mace Windu's dead. Okay. I don't believe Boba Fett's dead. I don't believe like Darth Maul. Lavender Brown's dead. Okay. Because I, I all I heard was she had wounds. Mm-hmm. She was attacked by something. Because that's how you set yourself up for some bullshit, like reveal of somebody came back and you didn't expect it. Because oh fuck, <laughs> uh, because you never actually saw the body, kind right. of shit. Right. And it's like nah. That uh, isn't, I don't enjoy that. That feels like something that happens in Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. That feels like something that happens in schlock. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to let myself be suckered into that manipulative bullshit, that cheap hack bullshit of, I never said they were dead. So no, pass. I like, like, it, it like literally Peter Pettigrew. The Peter Pettigrew thing is exactly what I'm talking about. The whole, why didn't they see Peter Pettigrew on the the map? Why, di- why didn't they see, like, his name on the map of the, of, of the Marauder's map in the first book? Why didn't the twins ever see that Scabbers was, was, in the was bedroom Peter with Ron. Pettigrew? Right. Or anywhere, when sure, they, when they first got the map, because they had him first, right? They, they had like the, Percy did. Uh, Percy had the map, but they had the map for conservatively no. three years. No, which brother had had Percy scabbers? had the rats. Oh, I thought you said map. Sorry. No, well, I'm saying yes. they, the brothers, had the map for like three years before they passed it on to Harry. 
Right. Because I think they got it in their second year. That's, I'm not sure, though. So they had a lot of time. They used it a lot, and they never noticed that that character's name was around. That's a good point. Apparently, a, a pretty famous character. Right. Well, even if it's not, they'd be like, who the fuck's Peter Pettigrew? We know everybody in the Gryffindor Tower. Who's Peter Pettigrew? And they would right. say, I, I, they, knowing them, they would be following it. Like, he's going up to bed with Percy. Percy, is there something you want to tell us? Who's Peter right. Pettigrew? I mean, just, just by just by dint of them being them, the Weasley twins, they would have, they wouldn't have, you know, hermione it and gone to the library, but they would have found shit out. They would have investigated. They were yeah. They're tenacious. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I... I it's that kind of thing that bums me out. I don't like, I don't like buying into that stuff because it feels like, like I said, it's kind of hacky to me. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, um, my next part. Do you think? Page... Do you think that? Do you think just before you get to your next yeah, part, um, do you think yeah, it yeah, just yeah. means that Peter Pettigrew, or sorry, that Scabbers was just a rat until book three? The way some of these events yeah, are clearly, I not, do not been planned from the beginning. Yeah, I do. I kind of do think that 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 was a kind of contrivance, like yeah. That, she she kind of was just like I need something. What if? And I don't think it's a bad what if. It's I certainly just think not. She's it's... she's as 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 that method of writing goes. She's pretty good at it, right? But she does leave loose ends, like you're saying. But but I don't remember if like like she's also the kind of writer to have like put in a little Easter egg early in the first book about oh this rat also is missing a finger, and then we would have learned later. Peter Pettigrew, all that was found left of him was his pinky kind of well, thing. I mean, we know that they've changed things about the hogshead in the in one of the books. I don't remember which one. Right. Where right. where they changed the wording of that, depending on your copy. Right. So I don't know. I don't. I'm not going to speculate on that too much, but I will say that like that's a pretty big plot hole about why like the Weasley twins were using this thing a lot at the same times that Rat was at school with them. How come? That's all I want to know is how come. Right. Harry stays up all night watching Snape walk the halls. Right. Like, he, he does that. Why wouldn't the twins have done that? I, with an extra set of eyes, you're, yeah. you're going to see more. And you're yeah. going to notice shit like, wait a second. It just seems too convenient for it to be like, they just never happened to look at it at the same time when Pettigrew was on the part of the map they were looking at. Yeah, that doesn't... And the only reason that's important is because his that's that's exactly how they find him <laughs> later, is right. he shows up on the map. So, like, again, that wouldn't have been such a big deal if it wasn't the exact method by which they found him. Right. Anyway, um, I uh, my second part of the 646 note is, cool, Trelawney did something. Hey, see, I told you she'd show up. <laughs> that is a sourpuss face. <laughs> She's... She's she's got crystal balls. They're heavy, you know. They're um, they're real heavy. It's fine. It's just also dumb. You want you want to elaborate on that? I I don't know, man. I guess I just expected her to have. I just like she drops a crystal ball on on Greyback's head, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's pretty much it. Um, but man, she dropped it so good. Does Wait, she not have it? a wand? I mean, she should. Yeah. Why didn't she use it? <laughs> um. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe she did. Maybe she Wingardium Leviosa'd the ball to just write and then dropped it. And that's how she dropped it. But since we're speaking about wizards, we don't need to say wand every time. Uh, that look you gave me of, <laughs> do you buy it? Um, kind of tells, tells me everything I need to know about how much you believe it. <coughs> um, I don't know. I just like everybody else gets a cool moment. Yeah. There's definitely I some mean, uh, callbacks here and people showing up. 
It is. They are. And and I just I just would have rather had more from her, I guess is what I'm saying. Like I I have a soft spot for Trelawney because of her like because of uh Emma Thompson's performance in Order of the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um like her her scene of being like kicked out of Hogwarts is so heart wrenching. Right. Um I I just love it. So like to, to have this character get that singular moment that doesn't seem very interesting at all is a bummer. Anyway, um so far, maybe she has more coming up she, and I would she she be very, very well happy. could. I again I don't they're they're these these are so action packed. I think I see something new every time. Right. So it's very clear that there could be a line that I'm just not remembering because she crams a lot into her books, into her chapters. Well, my my third note on this page is something you may have not noticed because it's something I noticed for the first time. Okay. Uh, is this the first time students at Hogwarts have been referred to as Hogwartians? Yeah, I don't know. It stuck out like a sore thumb for me. I, I'm not usually a big fan of how people like to... Uh, label the denizens of their plate of their cities or states or regions and Hogwartians. It sounds bad, especially since they're Hogwarts students. Call them Hogwarts students. At least you're, I guess you want to include the teachers in the in the Order of the Phoenix. Like I don't know who's included in this term. Yeah. Like the people fighting on the side of Hogwarts is are they Hogwartians? I, it, it just seems like a really weird time to introduce a new word like that without yeah. any explanation. I don't know. Because again, it I, for me maybe I'm just a weird stickler, but it raises more questions than it answers. And if you're going to use a word that's supposed to make it easier for the reader to understand what you're talking about, then you have failed in this moment. Because mm-hmm. I don't know what the what that really encompasses. Right. Um. Anyway, page uh, six forty seven. Um. That's you. I do not. I don't want you to answer this for me. This is just rhetorical. Just putting it out there. Okay. I do not remember if Hagrid survives. That's all I'm well, going to say. Well, in answer to your question. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. Okay. This is the moment where he gets... It's the same thing. He's swallowed up by spiders, right? He's taken off by spiders. Okay, that's what His it was. I, I didn't mean swallow like, like eat, but I meant like 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 overwhelmed by. Yes, um, yes. He's, like, he's, like a wave he's, swallowed up. Um, visually consumed. There you go. Um, he disappears in a pile of. Yes. I like, and I even didn't so much was happening and I, I got to the I think it was the next page where he where he mentioned um, Fred and now Hagrid and I'm like what happened to Hagrid and I had to go back I'm like oh shit that was like that happened so quick in the in the book yeah um, okay yeah I don't uh, well, we'll, we'll find out maybe yeah well be, and they bring that up that was what I was talking about like about Lavender Brown and, and saying that's the next page is that it's the same thing. I, I refuse to allow myself to mourn Hagrid mm-hmm. because th- this is that manipulative hack bullshit. Like I would not be surprised if Hagrid waddles out of the fucking forest later being like, Oh, uh, you know, Aragog's children finally decided to protect me. And that's why they were attacking the castles. Cause they were coming to save me. Would not be surprised at all. Wouldn't be surprised if he was dead either, but I'm not going to like, you're going to waste gonna, emotion on it yet. I'm not going to waste it. Cause, cause again, it feels cheap, right? It feels like a waste. Um, and I just don't want to play that game. I don't like, I just, I don't like that feeling of being manipulated, uh, which it, it feels, and I want to make this very clear that what I'm describing about being manipulated isn't the same as, is 
being affected by a story. If a story earns something, then it's earned something. If it just is deliberately trying to fuck with you for the sake of, of manipulating your emotions, that is a tactless, craftless choice. If you look at what happened with Fred and Percy, that is an earned death. Those are earned emotions. That's And also, it's clear Fred is dead. Right. There's no question about that. He is. Fred has dropped dead. Sorry, I, I was, yeah, I was trying to, because, peeves and because, yeah. yeah. uh, Rick Mail. Because he played, he played Drop Dead Fred. And Fred's Drop Dead. Sure did. Uh, and Carrie Fisher was in that movie, and uh, she she dropped dead. Oh my god, <laughs> you monster! Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. But. But in th- in that moment, like it's very clear that 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 is what's happened. There's no ambiguity about his. He was carted off, and his arm disappeared in a pile of spiders. He must be dead, or some shit. Some of this hacky supposing, therefore it is bullshit. Nah, I've had enough of that. <laughs> okay. Okay. I- I'm glad the books are ending in that sense because I have had enough of that cheap shit. It- it- I don't like it, so I'm not gonna give the book of the satisfaction of making me feel the way I think it wants me to feel. Uh, my next note is page 658. Oh, 657. Oh, cool. Are you a wizard or what? Get it? <laughs> like like that one time? Like, you're a wizard, I'm a what? When Hagrid says to Harry Potter in the most famous line <gasps> no, of the first no, film... No, 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 no. Oh, because that's what I thought it was. No, this is this is a reference to. If only I had some fire. Are you a witch or not? Oh, okay. Yeah, same 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 book though. See, I thought it was more like a call. I thought it was like a bookend to like the thing about. No, because that Harry. wasn't a question. It wasn't. It wasn't a. Are you a wizard, Harry? No, but the but but Harry says I'm a what? That's a question. No, this is this is this is so, the other bookend. So you are a wizard, Harry. Yeah. I'm a what? Is yeah. like, are you a wizard or what? Well, I think you. Are. I'm I'm playing three dimensional chess with this reference, like three dimensional wizards chess. Yeah, I bet Data could win that too. I bet it could. Nice callback. I liked it. Good note. Page six fifty-eight. Okay. So the line. The line when, as Snape dies, he says to Harry, look at me, pretty creepy. (laughs) And it's creepy because I think, I think it's possible to have read it and interpreted it as he's trying to get Harry's attention. Mm -hmm. I think it's easy to look at that maybe and say he's trying to get Harry's attention so that he can give him his pensive memory Mm -hmm. so that Harry can observe what's happening and know that the flask that he's going to put this in is important. However, I'm fairly confident that what it's actually trying to be is Snape taking his one last opportunity to gaze into Lily Potter's Lily Evans eyes as he dies. And I think it's supposed to be that extremely heartfelt, extremely tragic, extremely poetic romantic moment where it's he he gets to see her he gets to look into her eyes as he dies 
because they make it very clear that Harry's eyes are exactly the same. Oh, has that some, has that been something we've heard? Uh, I think it's something we've been hearing, but it also is the most of what the next chapter is about. <laughs> That's true. So, but even that, if you look at it from the outside, he's still a 17-year-old boy. Yeah. And it's kind of, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's just, it's just, I guess I, guess I, I would rather not have the, the hangups and the baggage of thinking that that's creepy. I would rather be able to think that it's really romantic and cute, but it comes off real. It it comes off creepy. I can see. Well, my very last note in this episode will maybe touch on this. So I I might wait on that. Okay. Um, Arguing if it's creepy or not. I feel like there's, there's some wiggle room. Let's say. Yeah. Yeah. Any more notes on that chapter for you? No, sir. Then that sounds like it brings us to chapter 33. The Prince's Tale. All right. My first note is page 674. Uh, my first page note is 666. Okay. Hail Satan. <laughs> is that your just your note? No, it's not. It's not. Okay. But I wanted to put it in there. But also, um, where did Snape, brutalized by a domineering muggle father, get his anti-muggle bias? I know that the answer could be uh, answered by that question itself, but I don't really think that's necessarily how things work. Does his mom, I guess what I'm getting at is, did his mom have a strong enough personality of, I hate all things muggle, to be able to impart that to Snape? Hmm. It, it just It just seems a very specific kind of thing. Why would I? I don't know. It, it's really complex. Would would she have stayed with a Muggle if she hated Muggles? But then there's a lot of, you know, literature and 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 research pointing to people staying in situations that are that bad or worse for them. Because I I don't know. I just it it just seemed like a weird. If he's so anti Muggle and mudblood, but he's a mixed blood, but the. I, what are your thoughts? I, 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 it's well. I think that like you have to ask the same questions about Voldemort. Voldemort was raised up to the age of like ten or eleven, not having any understanding about what a Muggle or a wizard was. Yet he, more than anyone, has this like penchant for valuing pure bloodedness. Okay. <sighs> But so, I mean, Snape... I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm oh, saying no, no, it's, no, no. It's, it's the same question. But OK, so but Voldemort's different in that Voldemort is arguably uh, a sociopath um, and never had anyone take interest in him as a person and try to, you know, teach him right from wrong because they just got such a creepy vibe from him until Dumbledore was there. And it was too late because he was, you know, 11 and pretty much fully formed. It's a little evil creature that took what he wanted, whether it was objects or pain. Um, whereas a, a memory that we were shown in book five with Snape crying because um, his dad was verbally abusing or physically abusing his mom, which means that there is definitely an empathic connection there between him and his mom. So it's not the same scenario. Well, it's the same reason he is the half-blood prince, because that's her name. He loved his mom. That, okay, that carries some weight. Yeah, okay, I, that can make sense. I, I can I can see that. 
I, I guess, okay, I guess my problem then, uh, he could become the Snape who felt that way, but at 11, before he's even gone to school, he has this bias. That's my problem. Because when Lily says, is there a problem with me being, you know, the the, the parentage I have? And he's like, uh, no, that's, well, a learned, time, that's a learned reaction. Well, maybe, but it also can be learned from personal experience. Let's put that, let's remind ourselves of the interactions he's had with uh, Petunia, where she is fearful. She is derogatory. She is cruel to her sister, to him, because they can do this thing she can't do and she's afraid of them. So perhaps Severus has seen this fear and resented it and because he's afraid of it too. Like if you have two people, one of whom is make, is is under the impression that another person is making ta- or taking aggressive action against them, then that person's going to develop a defensive mechanism of predicting that that person will be rude or potentially violent to them in the future and may in fact preemptively strike with violence making a like sort of a loop of defensive behavior and i would not be surprised if that was what happened with him in a sense except that he does walk into that first interaction with i think he calls her a mudblood in that moment or calls her a muggle muggle. he calls her a muggle that's that's the one i'm thinking of and Um, that specific one that use of the word muggle which i guess not in every case has the kind of venom it has in this scenario but there was no mistake in his tone Right was was written, and that's I think my problem. It's written like I'm coming loaded with this to attack Lily, who is it acting as I expect a Muggle to act, and she's being negative towards me. So I can't wait to unleash this thing, but this thing that I already have loaded. That's what it feels like. It doesn't feel like yeah. I'm just against Lily. It's against it's I'm already against all Muggles, and I'm making exception for you, Lily. So where did that come from? That's kind of my thing. Yeah, I mean. They don't ever talk about it. But I guess Unless it's, it's just his mom is a, a horrible uh, magical racist and then and, and yet still living with a muggle, I, it, which is, again, within the bounds of human behavior. I mean, I think that your your supposition of or su- your supposing of him being like uh, mom's abused, has a kid with a muggle, may have like. Again, he may have taken that as like, again, it's the same thing. It's the same violence towards magic users by muggles. Right. Because that's all they can do. They can't solve their problems with with magic. They can only solve their problems with violence. Right. They're violent. They're subhuman, essentially. Like they are, you know, they're, for lack of a better term, it's kind of like they treat muggles like you hear tales of savages being treated, like colonials, uh, indigenous peoples. Well, no, I mean specifically like colonizers. I mean specifically people who travel to colonize areas treat indigenous peoples like savages. Yeah. Okay, yes, uh, yes, 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 yes. That specific setting, I, I mean, sure. uh, or context. Sure. And that word is often used to describe the indigenous peoples yes, 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 of, yes, yes, yes. of different places. And that's how I. That's how this kind of smacks of. It, sure. it smacks of like, oh, these are base people who are they're they're un you know unsophisticated they're not as good as we are because we've we have this advantage and therefore they're not worth treating like humans and i but, feel like he's i, I kind of feel like it is learned in his situation okay. from but but not like taught there's a difference no that's I fair think it's, that's fair it's learned through his personal experience because we don't have any indication that she ever preached to him about how evil they are which is often how it happens with bigotry you'll have yeah. someone you love but that's indoctrinate what- you that's what it feels like, like though. It feels rationale. like that kind of bigotry. 
I guess I'm saying for the picture she's painting, right? There's too many loose threads, and I need more. And I don't want to do the the lifting the the work for her here because it's just there's so many ways it could go that I feel like I'm getting muddled. I'm like if I pursue one thread too far and then I'm like no that doesn't feel right either and I have to backtrack and I, I don't want to weave a tapestry for her of Snape's little Snape's backstory and that's frustrating totally agree. yeah I think but I also think that any more uh exposure of that rationale of that justification would mm-hmm. take away from the sympathy you're supposed to feel towards him in this chapter true Very and true. I think that's the more important part of this chapter uh is, sure sure is that but it's just this you know this is what it was the whole time. And I'm like, okay, well that's recontextualizing everything I know about Snape, but it's giving, it's raising more questions now. Yeah. Um, six, six, seven is my next note. That's you. Tell me about the Dementor Snape. Oh, like, 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 uh, yeah. Lenny. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but also, Weird. but also this is the direct, um, call back to i heard that awful boy telling my sister about them yeah that's right this, that's this right. would be the awful boy where we assumed for so long it was james we now find out oh no shit it wasn't and right. that since it was before book six i feel has a little more resonance as a proper clue a proper planting right. of a huh right and that's totally. kind of cool well, I mean, that's the one clue I had heard about her knowing so far ahead of time that she like clued Alan Rickman into it. Sure. That it would affect his it would affect his performance as Snape mm-hmm. in a way that he could use for years ahead of time. Absolutely. Uh, six seventy. I'm at six seventy four. You just go until you get to six seventy four. This is my secret shame. This is my failure oh, no. to homework. <gasps> so long ago it may not even have been in this book I talked about jumping ahead and penciling in a note yeah is this where the pencil is? yeah wow I don't remember the context you, you of lost that, it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a my, pretty far jump my my pencil is it's probably from book 5 yeah uh, my, my, my pencil says Petunia's duty, and then right. what? Okay. And then what looks like maybe a seven or a Z. P five nine, which makes me think page fifty nine, but I go to page fifty nine in uh, uh, Order of the Phoenix where I thought that was, and that is not correct. So let me look in Half Blood Prince real quick just to make sure. Okay. P Z or P C? It's like, yeah, it's it's a it's it. No, that the Z or seven P. Yep. Z 50. or seven P. Yeah, it's, it's I can't I don't I can't read. Okay. Right. Yeah, uh, fifty nine in book six is Horace Slughorn. Fifty nine in book five is number twelve Grimold Place. I have no idea. Well, I know what her duty is. Is watching Harry. Yeah, is is not not Raising. just watching him but caring for him. Yeah, like like protecting him. Right. But what was the yeah, aha moment what... about this? Why why did I... What was the context, the jump, the Stargate coordinates? I don't know. Was it her, like, her envy of going to Hogwarts? Yes, but, I mean, all that stuff we could talk about, but I, that's not a... Uh, 
a great aha moment. I know I feel I feel like I've let everybody down, and that's why I need to take better notes. You really do, because that like you you were so impassioned. I remember in that moment, like oh, maybe Nothing? maybe just about the correspondence. How Dumbledore said we've talked before. Maybe, maybe. Well, sorry well, that that wasn't very satisfying, listeners. No, but I but I but I I, I throw myself on the court's mercy. I admit my failings as a host. He admits it. This can't uh, go on. You got to get someone else. I quit. What's your next note? Uh, Six seventy one. All right. Somebody has a lot of notes. Who wants to be in Slytherin? I think I'd rather leave, wouldn't you? Get it? No. Oh, so this is another bookend where we're in the compartment, uh, the train compartment with uh, Lily and yeah, Severus. Isn't that, isn't that Sirius that says that? Uh, James and Sock, is, they're overhearing James talking to Sirius. Sirius says, right. who, who would want to be in Slytherin? I'd rather leave, wouldn't you? And and Sirius goes, oh, shit, my full family's in it. And James is like, huh, yeah, but okay, I'll deal with you. I'll, I'll, I'll be your friend anyway. And they kind of bond over that. But that's a mirror of Draco talking to Harry before he knew who Harry was oh. going, who'd be in Hufflepuff? I'd rather leave, wouldn't you? Oh, does he say that? Yeah. Interesting. In the dressmaker, in Madame Malcolm's, I believe. Oh, Interesting. Yeah, and Harry's like, yeah, I, mean, I, would, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. Who who's, would want to be? Who's a that man? Though? He's a sort of servant, isn't he? You remember all this? You want me to read it? No, no. I, I can find it. I can do the no. voices. No, no, no. Okay, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> My name's Harry Potter. But, it is. But she does like that shit. She does like those mm. rhyming couplets. Yes. It's cute. It's fine. I I, I allow it. <laughs> I I like them too. Is what I'm saying. Uh, so six eighty two. So I think you finally get to talk. Okay. My note is uh. This chapter reminds me a lot of the the show we watched, Dark. Oh yeah. And you should, you can check out our guest appearances on the uh, podcast Wake Up Winden, where we talk about Dark. Great show. Um, the. With, with the idea of the big concept of that show is that we we never really know what our parents were like when they were our age and we never mm. get to know that sure and how it's entirely possible that we wouldn't like them if we did get to see that I mean even if we don't like even if we don't like them now <laughs> like I'm at, like you know or, or you do like there's a sort of risk there in learning like oh man my parents were kind of like you know shitty kids and that's that's a really challenging like thought process because you know at least for me, I know my parents have these sort of like rigid figures and, and archetypes to them that I kind of follow pretty strictly. Right. Um, well, you were essentially made in what your parents believe how the world should be. And so right. you would have seen them reacting to how the world wasn't and being very frustrated and maybe being completely horrible people about it. Yeah. But then you also have like Harry who actually gets that opportunity, much like some of the characters in Dark, to experience what his parents were like as younger people and i thought mm-hmm. i just thought that was an interesting comparison no it's great it's 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 a it's it's very interesting mine's a next note 683 682 okay uh so this chapter has seven books worth of context yeah uh, explains a lot and i started thinking about how that would be like it's like seven books of the first hour and 40 minutes of the sixth sense until you get to this chapter where it's the realization. I'm like, that's damn. I mean, there's yeah. clearly more going on, but still. 
if if our whole series is predicated on this chapter, it might be a little emptier than perhaps it should have been. Which is, I think, some something you were picking up on this read through. Yeah, I have that. That's a I have that. Um, it's actually like my last note. Okay. Uh, but what, what I say is that because it's like an overview note. Sure. I'll sure. say I'll I'll talk about it here. Where uh, I I do feel like this is probably the best chapter of the series because it sort of ju- it 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 tries to justify the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily think it's it's worth every one of the previous four thousand one hundred and fifty five pages up to this point which i did the math for like that's not <laughs> including the pages we haven't read yet right but up to this point it's been 4155 pages Damn. to get to a chapter that makes those pages resonate significant yep and i think what happens is that people who did grow through the series and had in sort of codified it to their identity and their childhood and their youth and their experience of growing up this moment makes it feel like it was all more than just a fantasy series Mm -hmm. it was this huge like decade spanning adventure that helped them grow and put them in a in a cultural space that was important and significant and and valuable and that this specific chapter and this twist also made them feel like it was all not only worth it for all the stuff it gave them, but also worth it narratively because, oh my God, I never saw that coming. And how, and look at she, it was so clearly well paced through the whole series and how mm-hmm. amazing. God, these books are incredible. I really feel like this chapter is the one that people latch onto to justify having invested as much emotionally as they have into these books mm-hmm. for as long as they have. Um, maybe they're right. I know that for me, it doesn't, it, it, it's not, it's not the worst chapter. Like I said, I think it's probably one of the best, but I don't know if I think it excuses the challenges and problems of the other, of the rest, the whole, whole of the series. Sure. Um, it's, it's, it's a great con though, because you're reading through these books without maybe the critical eye of an adult as a child, and you're getting one every couple of years, and you're talking about it, and you're not necessarily examining what's not there, then you hit this, you know, critical mass chapter, and whenever you read through it again, you're reading it with that context that you've just learned. And now you're like, oh, this is, and, and, and so you don't necessarily have that, like, that fresh uh, take on it that you do. So uh, you well, sell I billions remember... of copies, and you become super rich. I can't say whether or not I would have felt differently if I had never seen the films. I probably would have, but I don't even remember this chapter from the films being that revelatory. Oh, it's not. I I felt like it was a kind of a letdown in the movies where it was like, oh, I kind of just never even considered Snape as a real good guy. I always kind of anticipated him being a bad guy, and now this happens, and it's like... Okay, I, I kind of I stopped caring. I guess it's like in the books, it really builds up like the betrayal of Snape and the feelings of him being the one who kills Dumbledore. And like you feel like that's even like like that's him stepping into place and trying to be a good Death Eater. And like, it really, it sucks. And I don't remember that in the movies. But then again, like we I don't remember when we watched 
uh, Half-Blood Prince. I don't remember how that scene happens, and I don't remember if I cared. <laughs> but, but like, I kind of, we did just watch that, right? Like, we yeah, did. It was, it was like, it was like two months ago. <sighs> I don't remember it. Um, but the, uh, I guess I'll have to watch it again and watch that sequence again to see if I have similar feelings about it. Um, but I just don't remember. But, but anyway, like I, I, I think that maybe I did have, I don't, I just don't remember, man. Like as a, as a younger person, when this movie came out, if I, if I felt like I was shocked or if I, it, like, Oh, well, I don't know, man. I know I have, uh, the other overview note I had kind of falls into this, this, this spot. So I'll just do it. Okay. Um, no part in this chapter in these memories do we get that shot of Snape coming to the Potter's house after the murderers and cradling a dying Lily or a dead Lily while Harry baby Harry screams in his crib crib. That's never described in this in these memories. No. Is that in did I forget that in being any of the books or is that a, a full movie? I feel like that was a way to sum up in Eight seconds. Visuals, visual, yeah. all, all of this chapter because they didn't, they didn't, they didn't have this information when they were filming it, so they couldn't, you know. And okay, well, now let's do a reverse for the movie seven, so everything is in keeping. We've got the sets, and we don't have to restage shit later. And we'll have this big montage at the end of book seven. They didn't have book seven; they didn't know they were going to need this. And and, mm-hmm. and even even if they had rewritten it to be scenes that were, you know, fit in the movies and not necessarily the fucking Karkarov talk where you know they're chasing Fleur and Roger Davies from making out. Um, but whatever they had, they, they could have been doing that and didn't know to. And so like, well, we need something really impactful and, oh, what if Snape found her? Oh, shit, that's great. Maybe Snape did know, in man. her mythology, but they shot that and that's felt, you know, new. Yeah, that that's what I'm saying. Is like, I didn't, I was looking for that because that visually was so impactful in the movie where that's the one thing where you're like, oh man, I get it. Like, right. He was, he was like, protecting harry the whole time like that's that's that is kind of like a twist but like i wish i cared more Uh like i wish at that point i had cared about snape dying more than i did because it's all like (laughs) i don't know it just comes after and it's like it's too late to care now like what does it matter he's dead right like it's just over like he i don't get to see him and harry have a relationship now because he's dead so okay he was a hero the whole time moving on I guess it worked better in the books. Sure. I guess for this one, I think it does work better in the books. Um, my next notes, page six eighty three. Guess you. Uh, I wrote here that I don't. I don't know exactly why this note belongs at this page or in this chapter, but it occurs to me at this point when I was reading. Uh, as I'm sure it's occurred to plenty of other people before, and and Potter fans for decades, but. If not for a handful of missteps in intergenerational bigotry, probably, or, or even trauma-inspired bigotry, as we discussed earlier, uh, Snape may have had a child with Lily and perhaps in other alternative timelines actually been Harry's father or ostensibly the father of Lily's child. And while he isn't Harry's biological father, because of the circumstances of the narrative, he has guided, protected and cared for that boy much in the same way as a father would have. Mm-hmm. 
And even if it's like a, a dysfunctional parental relationship or paternal relationship, it's still like probably one of the closest relationships Harry's had to a father next to like, like it's almost like Harry's been able to get fragments or slivers of a relationship with father figures that collectively create a good father experience. He's had a, he's had a piecemeal father experience. Yeah. Like through Lupin and Dumbledore and Hagrid and Severus and Sirius, like all of those people, collectively even even uh arthur you know Mm -hmm. like all these people collectively building this sort of like you said like like a patch i don't know if you said this exactly but like a a patchwork father uh experience or something like that it's it's but specifically snape is really interesting because while while at minimum two of those other characters have died already or or at this point or will I think they've already died. I think I think Remus is already dead at this point, right? I believe so. Yeah, he might not um, have seen it yet, but I think yeah, because because he saw them on the way up to the to the office, right? Um, and and Sirius died. Snape's the only one who like Harry was able to watch die and like could could they both knew that he was dying and had like a moment and had something to do together in that process. Like he watched Sirius die and Sirius disappeared, but it was like, they didn't have a moment to like embrace or like both recognize that you're dying and like, we're here together and I'm, I'm like kind of with you while you die. Right. It just happened. Um, and he wasn't anywhere near Remus. Right. Um, so I don't know. It just like, it was, it's interesting. It's it's like almost one of the more complete father figure experiences that Harry's had, mm-hmm. um, and also sort of that like you're gonna have to help me here. Is it? A, it's a word that means like it's like it's like a parable, but it's like it's, I don't think that's the right word. Fable is not right. Um, parable. I mean, parable story like you learn from, right? Well, yeah, but it's, it's, I guess it's like, sort of like this. It's like an archetypical parable kind of thing about like the uh like the kind of father figure that is that's like a tough love father figure like someone who's looking out for your best interest even though you can't see how they're in your best interest because father knows best like so he's like like snape is one of those stern father figures that i think archetype maybe the archetype of father knows best yeah some something like that but it just it it He's one of the more tragic ones, I think, is what I'm getting at, because he's also like a reluctant father figure. Right. Like he's, but but at the same time, he's like that. He's like the guy who's a father too young, in the sense yes. that he's always going to treat his kids with a little bit of resentment. Like Snape resents Harry because of how much he reminds Snape of Harry's father. Right. He resents Harry for not being. Honestly, I think he resents Harry for not being his own son. Yeah, um, absolutely. And then in that same tragedy, can't appreciate that he kind of could be and tragically he can't get over it right exactly and the the boy probably like searching for love searching for comfort would have fit in very well with snape if snape had given him a fucking chance Mm -hmm. um and like how tragic that is and how much of like you know how to, to to sort of like give this book way more adulation than i ever thought i would like what a great parable to put in here for people to read and see like, man, I wouldn't want to be a father like that. I wouldn't want to waste my time being 
my opportunity to be somebody's father mm-hmm. by uh fucking it up as badly as Snape fucked up his chance. Right. Um so, you know, it's it's a uh, I don't know. I, I know that it's it feels like the kind of obvious note. It's the same it's like the thing about Lily's eyes, like where it's like, yeah, okay, great note. I mean, but no, it's good. It is a good note because it also kind of ties into my last slash overview note. Uh, my next note is six eighty seven. Go for it. <laughs> so this is sort of just me being a little bit like, uh, very particular. Okay. Page page six eighty seven. I wrote lots and lots can be said about how always is perfect and amazing and so empowerful and like and romantic or like heartwarming or heartbreaking but for me the fact that the fact that the line that says always fits perfectly as the last line on that page mm-hmm. is magnificent yes yes it is um so i know the chapter doesn't end on that page but the fact that that line is the last word the last line on that page is like really good fulfilling something like props of like yes Mm -hmm. yes you guys figured out how to make how like you punched the end of this page with the most impactful line of the series um so good on you and that's the end of my notes so what is your last note okay so there's a i believe it's a facebook group called snape is an incel oh yeah and I, I originally, yeah, I was first like, ha ha, that's funny and great. And I, I was on board with it and rereading this chapter with that in mind. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so either because I don't feel Snape has ever felt he deserved anything from Lee. I think he wanted it. He tragically didn't know how to articulate it. Um, it occurred to me from everything we've read, there was probably a scene that we didn't get to hear which feels like we could have, uh, Snape was sorted after Lily. Yes. Snape is incredibly bra- brave, as is pointed out, and will be pointed out again. Right. We know the hat talks to you about shit. He knows at that point Lily has already gone to Gryffindor. I bet he had the chance. And I think uh, his mom was probably in Slytherin. He was expecting to be in Slytherin. He was counting on Slytherin. He's rationalizing like an 11-year-old that she's there and she'll still be there. He picked Slytherin, and I bet that has also haunted him his entire life because he could have had a lot more Lily. And I, I feel like that weighs on him too, but I don't think he ever felt he he deserved anything from her. I feel like he just couldn't say the right thing. I think... Not, not, not that would win her, but that could articulate how he was feeling, but I don't think he was an incel. I think that the idea of calling Snape an incel is an incredibly easy thing for the Gamergate assholes to do. Mm-hmm. Um, or the same kind of people that would like lash out against women who play video games and that kind of thing are the same people who would be attracted to, maybe not politically, but the same kind of person who would be attracted to the inflammatory concept of just yelling about how someone's an incel and using that as a weapon, a verbal weapon to attack people they disagree with. Sure. I think that in this specific instance, to call Snape an incel is to completely ignore the significance of the sacrifices he made to take care of Harry Potter his entire life. Like Snape sacrificed his adulthood, his life to be the potions master at Hogwarts 
so that he eventually could protect at that point protect harry potter the like only son of of lily evans whom he loves and he was it's clearly in this chapter he gets guilted into doing that by dumbledore Mm -hmm. um and then, and that's why Snape has the whole resentment of like, you lied to me this whole time. Like you told me that all of these things I was doing was to protect this boy and you're expecting him to be murdered. Like, so I've wasted all of this time for something that was futile and you were going to have happen anyway. Um, <laughs> it's also, it's the same people who ignore, in my opinion, it's the same mentality that ignores the plight of the Dursleys. This idea that you can, you can just eat because you're, told to feel a certain way or 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 whatever because you're not actually thinking outside the box you're not challenging the stuff you're being given mm-hmm. to to just go along the lines of like oh yeah clearly they're evil instead of thinking what's making them behave this way right can i can i reach them or or empathize with them and then maybe in that way find a way to communicate them to adjust the behavior and I think that the, the, with the Dursleys, it's they're imposed upon, they're terrified, they're afraid. So often what causes people to behave badly is fear, is a, is a fear of being uh, injured, losing something, be, being destitute. Like it, it's a lot of things that cause people to be irrational or, or appear, apparently irrational, but most often are just reactionary. Which since fear is such a big part of these books, you would think they would have explored that more too. You'd think that the readers would be able to pick up on it easier too, but they don't. Um, or at least in my opinion, they don't really. Uh, they they same same thing with this concept of Snape being an insult because I remember when that was happening or that book came about or that cha- uh, group, group came about and, yeah. and, and you and I talked about it and I think at the time it was supposed to be like this. It was like trendy. It felt trendy to be like, yeah, he totally is. Like fuck him. Like thinking he's entitled to her it's like no like entitled if he felt entitled to her he wouldn't have done all those posthumously sacrificial things for her like entitled to her would have been him being like fuck her for not sleeping with me and not picking me i'm going to actively uh, uh, hurt her son i will send voldemort after her yes Yes. or or after her son i will allow her son to be murdered because because out of spite it's like no in fact that's exactly what he fights against his entire adult life is the urge to be that petty horrible person i i think it's i think it's poor i think it's just i I think that the idea of those groups those things are the same kind of people who just want to get excited about that without actually thinking about it and reading it it's uncritical thought yeah exactly it's 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 uh Mob mentality, like the trendiness of 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 stringing people up because it makes you feel more powerful. You know, in a sense, it's kind of what. If I didn't feel confident in our criticisms of these books and and in and in J.K. Rowling, you, it could be argued that that's what we do mm-hmm. or I do on this show. But I don't think so. I think I I spend a pretty good amount of time thinking about what it is I'm saying and why I'm saying it, not just like, like even to the turf thing, like where I've I've tried really hard to be considerate to what it could be that she was thinking in those moments. Sure. Um, and tried to find bridges between what I consider to be rational thought and the things she said. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't cotton to those guys or if there's a better term for that, I don't know it. No, it's, um, it's, 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 we don't cotton to you can you folks around here. Yeah. Um, to, to that kind of, to that kind of thinking that Snape's an incel. I mean, again, I think it's, it just feels like that petulant 16 year old thing to do. Yeah. Like you, you want to feel edgy. You want to feel 
counterculture. So what's better than telling everyone that Snape's an incel? It's just dog whistle bullshit. It's virtue right. signaling bullshit. Anyway. <laughs> uh, that said, Phantom of the Opera, total motherfucking incel. I don't know that one well enough to uh Then you can just it. say, yeah, I agree. But I don't know. It. That's what I'm saying is I don't know well enough I'm, to agree. Well, I'm telling you. I'm telling you what you can think. Oh, well, I don't, I don't want to do, I don't, I can't do that. Are you don't cotton to it? I don't. Oh. I don't the touch, the feel of cotton. The fabric of our lives. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, episode title, we'll get sponsored by Big Cotton. <laughs> do you got anything else? I don't. Dang. It's almost over, man. I know. That's crazy. It's been a journey. It's been... It's been years. <laughs> uh, it's certainly been years for Harry Potter, so yeah. It's I'll been calendar... It's been at least but, a calendar year for us. You're right. Maybe even two, because there's that six-month gap. Yeah. 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 It's pretty intense. It's It's... it's 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 that's the next one is it's, it's it that's it that's it harry potter bye-bye <sighs> well um i'm kind of i got I'm, I'm i have feelings about it yeah you know I, I like outside of the book like it's like graduating it's this weird feeling of like wow that that it's the same thing about these fucking books i talked about before about them being horcruxes like i i will always have them be that because of this experience of doing the show and doing mm-hmm. these things so like as much as i you know, have issues with how their construction, their uh, craftsmanship, all that other stuff. The they they unfortunately still kind of got me, and I I, sure. I guess I'll wait because we still have four more chapters to go. <laughs> no, uh, but, but you you you've you've actively tied them to something. Yes, in your life, right. you didn't just read them to pass time. So yeah, of right. course they're gonna have some some gravity. Yeah. Well. um... We've got we've got some festivities planned for the last episode. I mean, not really, but I do. You don't know. <laughs> I was scared. I was like, I, I, did, I don't know. You don't know what they are, but they uh, tune in tune into our next episode to uh, to see the end of of the Harry Potter series and how we handle it and whatever that causes us to talk about. Yeah, and there may be some surprises. I'm excited. Get excited. I will get well, excited. Um, if there's nothing else. I don't have anything. I feel like I'm picking up that you don't have anything else. No, I I don't. I didn't have any words. Oh, I do. Oh, my God. I didn't want to ask. I thought you were just going to naturally lead into it like like the professional host that you are. Oh, my gosh. That brings us to a new word alert. Oh, Jesus. That was scary. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes, listeners. There is a new word alert. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Rapacious. 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 Um, I believe it's a word that means having an uh, sort of. Uh, I know I'm I'm gonna mix my metaphors here, but an unquenchable appetite for something. No, you're. Oh, hold on. That, you're right. Oh, okay. Well, unquenchable right. may, makes me think thirst, and appetite makes me think food. That's that's my mixed metaphor. Um, no, but, but I well, yeah, I believe it's it comes from the word rape. <laughs> wow. Okay. 
awful. Um, I, I mean, yeah, it's it's. Yeah, I think that's part of that. Well, let's just go through all three definitions. Okay. Um, it's an adjective. Mm-hmm. The first definition meaning excessively grasping or covetous. Okay. Which is, I believe, how I read it when in whatever context I read it in. Okay. The second one is living on prey. Huh. The third is ravenous. And then the example under that one is a rapacious appetite. Okay. Okay. Because I could, so I could think I of a better you... word than unquenchable because right. the word was rapacious and I, could, I, didn't, I wasn't thinking I could use that in uh, context. Right. All okay. Right, ready for the next one? Sure. Here goes. Venal. <laughs> Venal. Uh, I want to say like sexual, like uh, venal sins. <laughs> uh, it's a Catholic way of saying uh, you got it on. Uh, it comes from Venus, as in as also you know the root for venereal disease. It's that kind of vein. Um, get my vein on. Uh, but what do you got? <laughs> I don't think I have any of that. Um, do you have that in a nutshell? Ew, gross. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Like a walnut You, you are very close. Okay. Uh, adjective, capable of being bought or obtained for money or other valuable consideration. Oh. Maybe uh, that's what especially. Well, maybe that's what a venal sin is. <laughs> and I just, I just thought it was much dirtier than it was. I mean, maybe you might have been mixing it up with something like viral. Viral has like a sexual. No, but but I I, I like 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 venereal disease is it does come from what I was saying, so that's why I thought venal was that. But go ahead, you, you give me the rest of your uh, definitions. Especially open to corrupt influence and especially bribery. Mm-hmm. Origin second definition originating in characterized by or associated with corrupt bribery. Huh. Yeah, I thought it was way sexier. Like like so many VDs. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. All right, you ready for the next one? Yes. Perfidy. Ah. Perfidy. I know that one probably because of Kevin Smith. Oh, really? It's one of the interstitials for Clerks, I believe. Oh, cool. Um, But it was one of those, that means theft, right? Mm, no. It doesn't mean thieving? It's not a, it's not a, because I thought it was used in this book as meaning... I'm describing the act of I've been stolen from. Perfidy. I shout out. I okay. must, that must be where I got it, but this is what the, the definitions say. Okay. Noun. Yeah. The quality or state of being faithless or disloyal. Uh, okay. Treachery. Yeah, stolen your trust. Yeah, okay. Well, but but I, I guess my main point is it doesn't seem to have anything to do with actually theft. It has to do with the act of betrayal. No, I understand that. I'm saying... Um, right. I'm going to try to make it fit because I'm embarrassed I know you, that I, I was know. so, yeah. I, I fucking know this word. And then <laughs> uh, it was perfidy from me. <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right. Here's the last one. Okay. Stricture. Stricture. Uh, no, I'm, I'm thinking of scripture. I was thinking of something written down, like written down rules. What is stricture? It's a noun. The but, first one meaning an abnormal narrowing of a bodily passage. Oh, like constriction. Okay. Yep. Uh, the the B definition of the first definition is a constriction of breath passage in the production of a speech sound. Okay. The second definition is something that closely restrains or limits, like restriction. Okay. Okay. So that 
Yeah, like like rules written down. Yeah, okay. Sweet. And then number three is an adverse criticism like censure. Interesting. Yeah. The stricture cast. That's us. <laughs> adverse criticism. And that is, I think, I think that is the end of my new words. Well, I certainly learned something today. I hope uh, you use them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna practice safe vocab, man. <laughs> I don't want right, to get well, any I, venal I, perfidy. Oh, gross. That's, I don't even, I'm not really, I'm not familiar enough with the words to know even what you said. I don't know clearly what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that, however, that does bring us to the end of Death Readers. So I will say for the second to last time in, in Harry Potter-verse, <laughs> I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Podbean. These reviews might seem silly, but they actually help us out a lot. Check us out on Twitter, at RealDeathReader. If you want more Death Readers content, there's more available by joining Death Readers Patreon at www.patreon.com slash deathreaders. If you hate us and want to tell us how terrible we are, please send all hate mail comments to our Reddit account, you slash deathreaders. Uh, before we get started... I uh, we just we just watched uh, Princess Bride. Oh yes, be- because the Princess Bride was uh, they were having their table read thing. This this like I think it was a uh, Joe Biden like election uh, like uh, fundraiser. This idea where like you donate like a certain amount of money to the to the table read process, and then that money all gets aggregated and given to the campaign. Um, was everyone or- there? That law alive? I didn't watch it. Sorry. Um, I, I cut you off. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, was, I got um, excited. I, I can tell you the people I did see that were a part of it, and it was all of the major ones. Do you want me to just do it? Christopher Guest? Yes. Mel Smith? The albino? Mel... No, he's dead. Is he? Oh, shit, he is. Yes. I know that because I looked it up while we watched the movie. Carol uh, Kane? He's dead. Who? Carol Kane, Cal- yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, you know, so like Elways and uh, Mandy and... Billy Crystal and um, I think Josh Gad was in it, but I don't know if he was like hosting or if he was playing. Andre <laughs> My name's Amiga Montoya. No, I I kind of wonder if he was playing Andre the Giant or if he was playing like because Wallace Shawn was there too, so he wasn't playing Wallace Shawn's character. Um, and uh, a Richard, happy snowman. Is it is it Richard Sarandon? Uh, Chris Chris Sarandon. Chris Sarandon. Yes, he was married um, to Susan briefly. I don't think that's accurate. Oh, look it up, motherfucker. Okay, I apologize. I don't know anything about these people's love lives. Fucking. <laughs> You've made mistakes dog day. tonight. He was, in, he was in Dog Day Afternoon with Al Pacino. <laughs> if, he was in Fright this Nights is where you're gonna jump with William Ragsdale. He was clearly we, the Princess Bride. We, we may and he was to married to Susan motherfucking Sarandon. That's where she th- got her name. Because this is just a, this is a bit much for, for such low stakes mic, already. But I will drop it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I feel like... Again, these are very low stakes, and you're in, and you're at the top of the the cliffs of insanity, yelling about how I need to you you need to murder me. Uh, so you are supposed I can't to be climb. this colossus. You are this great legendary thing, and yet he gains. Yes, yes, all of those things is how I feel like you're behaving. But I feel like this is a this is a. Farm boy, fetch that picture for me. <sighs> level of, of problem, but you're treating it like the cliffs of insanity. And I'm just saying, it feels <gasps> you're saying it I'm, feels kind of odd. You're saying I'm I'm Buttercup. No, I'm Buttercup. 
But anyway, so I was I was seeing that all over Twitter, and I was like, oh, I want to watch the movie. So we watched the movie, and then we started watching some special features afterwards while we were doing the uh, a puzzle, waiting for the podcast to start. And uh, because I don't know if this is going to end up on the show at all, my wife said to me, you know, that actor, and she was pointing to Christopher Guest, she said, he reminds me of Rob. <gasps> I thought you might appreciate that quite a lot. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Then that sounds like it brings us to chapter 33. The Prince's Tale. Sorry, I couldn't do it. Uh, I couldn't. I... Did you get it? I, I didn't. I didn't. I like, was... Like, like, like... No, never mind. Never mind. I'll... <laughs> cut that part out. That makes no sense. Okay. Um, just do me a favor and cut that out. It makes no sense. Uh, was that a joke too? No. Okay, you said it Seriously, twice. Seriously, just... I don't know what's I'm happening no, right yeah. now. I'm I'm trying to communicate to you that, that makes no sense. We should cut it out. Oh my god. You good? Yep. You understand? Yeah, I'm, I, okay. Sure. Now give me a pause so I can just start here, and this will give you a clean edit. Uh-huh.